Hey, it's Ryan with Not Operator, and I'm joined by Michael and Kilroy for the third Not Operator podcast, Not a Podcast. Good morning. Hello. Uh, so we've got an exciting set of topics today. Uh, starting off with gaming, we'll be talking about E3, pretty much just E3. Um, what else talk- is there? Exactly. Talking about tech, uh, we'll be talking about physical keyboards on phones and sticking with a bit of gaming stuff, some of the nitty-gritty aspects of uh, the Xbox One details that were discussed at E3. Uh, and then we'll be moving on to guns to talk about the uh, tactical triad and uh, a tweet made by Michael Moore. So uh, to kick us off, Michael, I'll, I'll hand things over to you to start off with the gaming. Thank you. So as Ryan mentioned, the E3 was this week, and uh, it was pretty exciting, actually. There was a lot of cool stuff that was announced by a lot of different companies, uh, Starting off on Sunday, we had uh, was it Bethesda and E three or E three EA close enough. Yeah, uh, showing some There's of their games coming out. Yeah, we saw uh, Battlefield One, which I'm really excited about. Finally, a World year. War One game. And Bethesda showed some uh, Dishonored Two footage. I know you guys are big fans of that game. I really like yep. Dishonored One, so I'm I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, I'm... I just like murder. <laughs> well, then you played the game wrong because the game <laughs> actively tells you not to do that, despite giving you. A ton of options for doing exactly that. Pretty much. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I gotta play the Definitive Edition for Dishonored 1 catch-up before number 2 comes out. It seems cool stuff. Do you, do you remember when the release date is? I think it's sometime in October for the number second two? one. What's that? Oh yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Nah. Yeah. I never even had a this chance year. to play the DLC. This year. Sometime this year. I think. Hopefully. Anyway, moving okay. on. Uh, Monday started off with Xbox, their uh, Microsoft's conference in the morning. Some pretty cool announcements. It was actually a pretty good conference for Microsoft. I think they're really starting to, you know, get the idea that games, 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 and away from their failed TV startup. Which is, I mean, it's cool that they're focusing on games because really that's their their primary focus. But they really set themselves apart from the PlayStation, especially early on with a lot of those media features. And I know that they're ditching um, the DVR feature that honestly I don't think that many people have much need for these days. But uh, it's cool. You can hook up an antenna to your Xbox. You've got all these streaming options that, you know, that the PlayStation didn't have initially. Uh, it, it set itself apart that way, at least. Yeah, I think I think more of those media features were like actual TV programs that they wanted to source. You can kind of see ripples of that with like Quantum Break, how it has actual like basically TV episodes in between acts, like 20 minute scenes, which which are which are cool. They're not amazing. Uh, I don't know what Microsoft was, was thinking when they kind of wanted to build this in but uh, i think it's good they're getting away from all that and moving towards games and as we'll talk about in a minute consoles and hardware right and we talked a little bit about this in the previous podcast about how you know i didn't really like this sort of move towards um multiple consoles in the same generation you know and differentiating between uh you know the base xbox one and the new xbox one s that was announced and the upcoming you know, Project Scorpio Xbox, or as I like to call it, Xborpio. Borpio, that's cool. Catchy. I Catchy. mean, this is probably just them trying to uh, get on the same pattern that happened in the last generation of consoles, because you remember how, like, the PS3 was so popular just because it could play Blu-rays, and mostly because a Blu-ray player cost about the same, and, like, even before that, when uh, consoles could play DVDs before uh, just a regular DVD player cost about the same as a console, and so... A lot of families ended up buying into that, and so I guess they're just trying to cover all their bases again with like the H, uh, 
the HDTV kind of stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, the regular Xbox One now has support for Blu-ray. I guess the difference will be oh, the new model will have the 4K play, 3D no. Blu-ray yeah, support. Yeah, so let's get into it real quick. Let's actually explain what these announced announcements were, what these console announcements were. So we talked about it a bit in the last podcast about how the Xbox One S was leaked, and it was confirmed it's, it's actually the Xbox Slim. What it is, it's going to come out this year, uh, August 16th, starting at $300 and going up in iteration. So a $300 model will get you the Xbox One S itself, and also a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Right. It'll move up in 50 gigabyte iteration, so uh, per pretty much a gigabyte per dollar. So at a uh, 350, you'll get a one terabyte hard drive. At 400, you'll get a two your, terabyte. Your math was a little bit off on was gigabytes. It? It's it's a factor of 10 there. Oh, goes up 50 dollars. You, you, know I mean. you know what I mean? Yeah, we we have, we get it. It's been a long it's slim, day. so it can sit on your bookshelf collecting dust, like everything, and take up less room. Even more so now, in your adult life. Even more so now, because it actually comes with a stand. So yeah, you so you can put it vertically stand. and use it as a bookshelf. Uh, yeah. Well, book you end. have to go take care of your kids and your family. You don't like <laughs> get two of them using those bookends. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. You okay. need you need two Xbox at one S's. So basically, again, it's smaller. It's gonna be more powerful. A key feature is that it's gonna have HDR, which Ryan will probably get into more later on in the tech talk. I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, some interesting aspects of the hardware is they're saying that it'll have 4K output, which the current Xbox One does not, uh, not for games, but for video. Um, and the notable, you know, missing feature of it is the Kinect port. Uh, yeah, exactly. So there, there was a YouTube interview, uh, Jeff Keighley interviewed Major Nelson from Xbox and he had a, a picture basically, or he showed up, there's a picture on the internet, it's a picture of the back of the console and you can see all of the different ports that are there and... Most notably missing is the Connect port. Uh, you can buy an adapter. I think the USB adapter that will go in the back, and you can get your Connect that way. Uh, but it's funny how Microsoft's Xbox itself is starting to disconnect itself a little bit from Connect. Right, more it's and interesting. More. And now the the new Xbox update includes Cortana, which you can use using the headset. So you don't even need to connect anymore to give voice commands, but right. you do need to have a headset plugged in. Which comes with every Xbox. Right. So so everyone's that got one. It, it's, that was fairly quick. I feel like the iteration of the Kinect kind of died for, pretty quickly. For us Xbox owners, it's kind of been like a drawn-out, slowed, painful death. It's it's too bad, because you know, when, when the original Xbox One came out, I was thinking, all right, Kinect came out on 360. It's sort of this auxiliary product. It's too expensive. It doesn't have a use case. Why are developers going to waste their time with it? When the Xbox One came out, they said, a connect with every Xbox. And the problem was that, it, you know, the price of the Xbox was too high. They didn't get the market adoption they needed. But the goal there was to spied say... spied on people. What's that? And it spied on people. And I just picture Bill Gates like, sitting home in his mansion with like a <laughs> like 50 million screens out in front. Like like the guy from The Matrix, right? Like, just the, watching. The, the yeah, architect, the architect. The architect, right? And just watching everybody through the connect. <laughs> But, but the issue was that at the time, they basically, you know, it, it was a good ploy for them to say, all right, developers, everyone's going to have a Connect. Start developing applications for this. Start making use of it. Um, and it was a good idea, but they they quickly backpedaled from that. They stopped including the Connect on all models. And once you back away from that, developers really have no incentive because now you're not reaching the entire player base anymore. And so that was just the beginning of the end. And it's not at all surprising that they're phasing it out now. Um, I'm a little sad because I do have a Connect, and I was hoping that there would be this sort of upswing on on Connect usage, but uh, it it hasn't gone anywhere, no. unfortunately. Nope. 
sad, sad death of Connect, as I'm starting to see. Uh, what else was announced? They announced a new controller they're working on. Uh, it's coming out. It will be included with the purchase of every Xbox One S. I'm sure you can get it standalone too. Uh, notably, it has grips on the back, like the Lunar White controller. If you've seen those, I have one. It's nice and grippy. Also, uh, another key feature is that it's a Bluetooth-enabled controller. Which... So that you can connect it to a PC without requiring any sort of adapter. Correct. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and you I'm, mind I... familiarizing me with something real quick? Just because we're on this topic for the moment. Please. With your Kinect, uh, you can, you use, that used to be the only way you could issue voice commands, and now it goes in through the headset, correct? Right, with a new Xbox okay. update. And so that that's integrated with the games. I know that uh, certain games that came out, and GTA Five being one now that I'm actually having a chance to play it a little bit, actually integrated the uh, voice commands into the game. Same with Mass Effect from back in the day. Yeah. How many other games on the console cycle so far have had, like, actual in-game usage for the voice commands i honestly can't think of any on xbox battlefield 4 battlefield 4 i remember playing that at launch and you could make commands like attack or something like that and it would target okay. the people you were I, looking at i don't think that's okay. the purpose of the headset support though i mean really they're trying to roll out this cortana thing and mm-hmm. you know what's something that everyone's going to have on xbox that is no longer connect and that's a headset so you might not use it well but but you have the option. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, you guys are all yelling out Xbox Record half the time I'm over there anyway. And I have to say, hey, Cortana, record that. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, this is probably just the leading edge of the spear for what they're trying to do with it. Because I feel, as uh, with all these things, the uh, voice commands are going to be com- significantly more ubiquitous across every every platform. Not just consoles, but consoles will be the first ones to receive it aside from mobile devices. And there's already mobile device integration for usage with console, like... Just seeing what they tried to do with GTA V from before, there's, you know, apps on your phone that can integrate with the game, and the voice commands integrate with the game, and now that uh, it's going leading edge on the uh, consoles themselves. But my, my thing about voice commands is that I don't think they'll ever really replace other forms of input. I mean, look at mobile, right? That's, that's actually a fairly mature market for uh, voice commands. You know, you've got Siri and OK Google and Cortana... And people use them. Oh, there goes my phone trying to, to Google stuff now. <laughs> um, and uh, and people use them. But I would say 90 plus percent of the time, I'm going to choose to tap on my phone instead. And I think the vast majority of people do. And occasionally yeah. use voice commands. But even, even on your controller for your Xbox, you can just like double tap the guide button and hit X or Y to record. To record, right. As opposed to just trying to yell at your Xbox to record it and then end up missing the clip, which happens to me pretty often. Right. So I feel like the the whole voice command thing is going to be more auxiliary as opposed to a primary input. You know, it's something mm-hmm. that it'll support, but not necessarily something you need to have and definitely not something you'll be using the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into more detail, I'm sure, when Ryan gets into the uh, the nitty gritty of these new consoles. But uh, let's, let's keep moving for now. So another key feature announced was the uh, the Play Anywhere. Uh, with, with at Microsoft's conference, basically it's cross-buy more or less. So if you buy a game digitally on your Xbox, you can play it digitally on your computer. Yeah, so so I, I looked into it a little bit more, and I thought that that meant cross-play as well. And in some cases it does, Correct. Yeah. but not in all. In some cases it's just you own it on Xbox and you own it on PC for the price of one. It's, it's effectively right. a two-for-one, which honestly is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that should have been integrated a lot sooner, uh, so I'm excited to see it finally happen, and that's something that definitely differentiates it from, you know, Sony's consoles, and, uh... Yeah, 
they have a lot of cross-buy themselves with their own <laughs> units, more or less. PS4 and Vita, you can cross-buy a lot of games, but no one really has a Vita. Um, what, yeah, I'm surprised that Microsoft hasn't taken advantage of this earlier, because they basically own the PC it, gaming market as far may, as platform yeah. goes, and they've never really taken too much advantage of the fact that they're also Xbox. They said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll compete fairly, you know, with Sony. We're just going to keep our console as a console... And I mean, now they have some of the Windows 10 streaming, but finally they're starting to utilize some of that that PC domination. It, it makes you wonder have. if that was their initial plan when they announced the Xbox One a couple of years ago. Oh, with the 13. digital ownership? Yeah. It could be, but, you know, the, the PR at the time was so bad that they they never really got a chance to expand on it, and they, they backpedaled so quickly that we never really got a chance to see what, what their plan what, for exactly. it was. Oh, yeah. It's just funny to see who knows what they're unveiling now. It could have been... Yeah, end results a few of years ago. Uh, the next cool feature they announced was uh, custom controllers. Uh, using the uh, Xbox Design Lab, you can basically choose from color schemes and choose the faceplate of your controller, the joysticks, the buttons, the paddle, not the paddles, the uh, triggers. Uh, it's a cool little thing if you want to, you don't want to shell all the cash for like an Elite but still kind of have your own personalized controller. You can engrave for an extra $10 your, your gamer tag or another phrase on the front, which, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, ideally, like, I, you know, I own an Xbox Elite controller. I'd rather customize that, you know, especially after having gone from the basic controller, which is fantastic. It, it's better than DualShock. any other. Yeah, well, then DualShock is better than the 360 controller. But moving to the Elite is like, you know, it's it's another step in generation it feels like and so i could never go back to the regular controller so what you're saying is that you want to take an xbox elite controller and customize it with a not op logo in the middle yeah that's exactly what i'm saying that'd be pretty sweet i would love for it to go well with our mug sets in china (laughs) that we don't yet have soon and the t-shirts we also don't have we'll get there (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's gotta start somewhere (laughs) and maybe some ar lowers (laughs) unless they get banned which means we should get them now yeah, it's back to the Microsoft conference. A couple of games were shown. Uh, it was cool that Microsoft at the conference was showing actual gameplay. Not trailers. Just trailers. And not just, you know, learning from the mistakes of the past with companies like uh, Ubisoft, more or less, with Watch Dogs. Yeah, nothing but cinematic trailers. Showing the cinematics and the graphics get downgraded, and then there's a huge uproar with the fans. Showing actual gameplay. Uh, I think there's something to be said for that. And, as long as they stick to it. If you remember way back when, do you remember the original gameplay demo for Halo 2? Yeah. That they showed at E3 and it yeah, was like that wasn't completely different. Graphical. Which, not a bad way. I, I loved Halo 2 when it came out. But I'm saying that looking at the gameplay trailer at E3 versus the actual game, it's like they're two completely different games. Yeah, but that, that was more what was happening in the trailer with like melee combos or other weird things like that it wasn't really graphical downgrade look, or like that. well it wasn't if anything it was an upgrade the final game looked better than the demo right. did which is normally what you'd expect the yeah. watchdogs thing unless was it's like, ubisoft Ugh. right yeah so my, my point is that it's more in line with hopefully what the final product would be in theory right at least you have some idea of what you're going to get i mean it's easier to spot those differences now especially with the way youtube and like just like videos online yeah. work I mean, I'm sure you're, this is what you're referencing, Michael, but there was that one guy on Reddit who compiled an E3 demo versus a fi- finished product thing for Ubisoft, and you could see all of the graphical <laughs> downgrades they did. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that video at the time. I still kind of want to play Watch Dogs, even though it got a bad rap, but I don't have time. I'd rather play okay. other things. Yeah. I'll buy it on a Steam sale. 
It was on. It had a sale the other day, but I just didn't. Yeah, not enough. Better not stuff enough. out there. <laughs> Microsoft's big announcement was the Scorpio Xbox Scorpio. Uh, they had a. The announcement was kind of interesting. It kind of reminded me of like an Apple unveiling where they had just a bunch of developers, game developers, talking about how how great this console is going to be and how much it it will evolve gaming more or less the console space. Uh, they didn't really. Get it had the best pixels. The, pe- the, the best, best pixels. pixels. Exactly. The best, most hugest pixels. Make Xbox Believe great me. again. Make, make Xbox <laughs> great again. <laughs> uh, so they didn't give too many details, but I think they played that move kind of smart too, because Sony hasn't really announced anything for its PS4K in Neo. air quotes. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too much in the into the X-Borpio now, just because that's a, a topic I really want to delve into a little bit later. But uh, don't worry. We'll be talking about that soon enough. Cool. So that's, that's probably... Enough talk on uh, Microsoft. Let's quickly go down to the other key uh, announcements. Oh, right. There's other people. Oh, right. Yeah. So next, next was Ubisoft. Their conference was crazy long. It was a little over two hours, I think. Uh, how much stuff did they have to show? They had a lot. Uh, I think the consensus amongst people on the internet is that why? Why? <laughs> why? Like, Aisha Taylor is great, right? Uh, she's the one that always does their... Uh, their uh, demonstrations, presentations. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but it just droned on. Uh, what what games were they showing? They showed some. some Watch Dogs Two was their their big one. They showed some other stuff. They showed a lot of. Uh, they, they devoted a lot of time to uh, the Assassin's Creed movie, which I thought was interesting. Odd. Uh, they must have really had nothing to be spending so much time. I feel like that's more of a Comic Con type. Definitely. thing to be showcasing and they're trying to remind the gamers like hey look we have this coming out yeah we don't have a game but we've got a movie you should go see it please go see it it looks kind of cool i mean i'll reserve my judgment for now but I yeah track record I, I, i'd like to see it i think great. i think we talked about it a little bit in, in the original podcast but uh yeah i, I, I have high hopes yeah uh, the their big game announcement they always like to introduce new ips at the end of the presentations uh steep is the uh their announcement it was an adventure sports game you can fly around on uh, wingsuits or snowboard down mountains and it seemed interesting I, i'm not sure how big the market is for adventure sports games anymore since like the ssx tricky days and oh that. yeah i remember those days uh, but, i look uh, forward to steep 2017 followed by steep 2018 yeah. oh god I, I don't look forward to that but you know what i'm always a fan of seeing new ip it's it's not something we get often enough i feel like from AAA developers yeah so i mean we'll see how see how it does I, i'm not sure it, that it's not a market that appeals to me very much, but we'll see how it does. Yeah, yeah, could be cool. Uh, next big developer to go up, uh, Sony. So they didn't talk about hardware at all, other than their VR stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, they they announced uh, PSVR is going to be launching this year, October thirteenth, twenty sixteen, for four hundred dollars. What's crazy to me is so first of all, the PSVR costs as much as a P- PlayStation, right? When so you're looking out, at yeah. $800 overall investment-ish. Uh, yeah, I guess you can get one now for like, what, 300 Probably find some deals on Amazon, yeah. Um, but my question is, how the hell are they running smooth VR on the PlayStation 4? Because, you know, graphics-wise, they're able to, to barely get out 1080p at 60 FPS on a lot of games. Um, and for VR, you really need to have you know, 60 frame rate, 60 uh, frames per second. Um, you need to be able to do it for both eyes. So it's effectively doubling that. Uh, and there's all sorts of calculations that go into there to make sure that you don't get 
nauseous playing. And and I don't know how Sony's hardware will be able to handle that, especially the current iteration. It's one thing if they were talking Neo and their 4K model or whatever. Right. But they're saying this is coming out for the existing PlayStation 4. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess it'll Japanese be comparable magic. to the Samsung <laughs> VR that you use your, your Samsung Galaxy for. But I, I can't imagine Does that being Google a serious gaming that stuff? platform. What's that? Just Google Cardboard that. Well, Google Cardboard is more of a, a showcase, you know, a demo. But they're pitching this as a gaming platform. They expect people to play PlayStation 4 games in VR the way you would play Vive or uh, Vive, whatever it's called, or uh, Oculus Rift. Rift? Rift. <laughs> yeah. Vive, Vive, Rift, Rift, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how, how great a graphical fidelity will be on a lot of these PSVR games, but I'm not sure that a lot of the developers are developing with that in mind. I think they're more going for the immersion aspect and, and the... I guess novelty is, is a phrase to use, but the how cool it will be to just be immersed and immersed 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 you, in a, a vr world i've heard a lot of great things one of the announcements at the sony conference was uh batman vr done by rocksteady the developer behind the that's Arkham pretty games. cool and but honestly i feel like playstation is going to get trounced by by xbox in this case because you, you know xbox is talking about vr uh, there's talk about PlayStation 4 in VR, and it seems like uh, Vive or Vive is going to be the um, VR platform of choice for Fallout 4. So it's likely that we'll see it on Xbox. And just this week, I think Phil Spector was saying... Spencer. Spencer, sorry. Uh, was saying that it's he'd like to see Xbox be uh, an open platform for VR, that they don't really care what, what VR headset they're using. And so you could see Oculus and Vive support on there. Um, and it's really, you know, if, if the details about Scorpio are to be believed, it's going to make PlayStation VR look like crap in comparison. Well, to be fair, you also tend to bet heavily toward the Xbox end of the spectrum anyway. I mean, that's where my preference is, but, you know, I don't really have strong brand loyalties here. It's just that I, I think that the game selection is better, and that's why I sort of lean that way. But in this case, it's a, it's a simple hardware issue, right? You're talking about established platforms with better hardware behind it as opposed mm -hmm. to something that's sort of being shoehorned into an existing platform. It's going to be hard for them to compete. If first, they can... First to market, though, is going to be a huge advantage. It's true. Coming out we'll, this year as opposed to Scorpio maybe sometime next year. That's true. I mean, that's where their advantage lies, I guess. The yep. question is, is it better to be first or better to be best? <laughs> so we'll see soon enough alright so yeah just running down to the rest of the conference I, the Sony didn't really talk much about hardware much other than VR uh, what they did talk about was a lot of their games and I think that's really where they got a lot of positivity and yeah I heard good good things they announced a new God of War game which looked pretty cool uh, set more in a, now with beards yeah Kratos now with beard uh <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have played any of the God of War games. I played God of War 3 with one of my friends and, and uh, basically tanked the whole game in one day with him. It was, it was, it's fun to play. It's, it's the, the aspect of it, the, the draw to it before was kind of just it was mindless smashing and you could see the cool graphics of the PlayStation kind of just blood and gore splatting everywhere. Uh, fun fun game, but I think the, the cool draw to uh, God of War 4 now is that they're trying to give it more of a heart. You see in the trailer that Kratos has a son who he's uh, showing the ropes more drama yeah 
trying to trying to make him more of a character than just some big rage machine. Which but is... isn't that sort of the point of God of War? Just a giant rage machine stomping on things? Yeah, I mean that that's how it's been for all the games that have come out so far. I think I think it's kind of cool that they're trying to take it a new direction and kind of try to make it more like a. It's Game of Thrones, the mountain, the game. <laughs> yeah, or at least it has been up it until been, now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they tried it with other platform or not other platforms, other IPs. Uh, like uh, what was it, Dante's Inferno? They tried that kind of a hacky slashy game with a little bit more story to it. How did that caught on? Yeah, that... about as well as uh, Fire and Iceberg. But that was more just like a um, knockoff God of War, game. right? Yeah, and I mean, for that particular type of it. game, like the super story-driven stuff has been, I don't know, Devil May Cry has really kind of owned that particular section of the market for story. And not to say that Devil May Cry stories are great. <laughs> they, <laughs> they're actually pretty thin. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, other games that they showed more, they showed more footage of Horizon Zero Dawn, which I think looks pretty cool. Actually, I don't know if you guys have seen anything about I that. haven't heard anything. Uh, Third-person action RPG, it seems like, uh, takes place, I don't know if it's, they haven't really gone into detail kind of the timeline, but it's a maybe apocalyptic world, more or less. Uh, it, se- it seems interesting mix of primitive and futuristic technology. So you have your bows are like tech bows, and uh, they're, they're like so animals. So far, far Cry Blood Dragon is what you're saying. <laughs> no, not as, uh, I think there's a trying <laughs> to work on Tarak. story on this. Oh, okay. Actual story. What? Actual story, yeah. Uh, and like the animals are robotic more or less you see like a horse looking animal but it's a robotic horse animal this definitely oh i saw that it's like monster hunter but with robots yeah yeah but i I think this is a new ip uh i think it has the potential to be really really cool uh something to keep an eye on as as time goes on other announcements days gone which is uh zombie type game i know they've announced that they aren't really zombies uh fake zombies fake zombies yeah Freakers, they're something called. Okay, well, give us a new name. Guy shooting people zombie, right? More or less. Uh, they're not dead, they're alive. That's the key. It's not like Resident Evil? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. No, Resident Evil were all zombies, except for the people who were invest- in- infested with uh, parasites. That's the one I was thinking of. In any case, it's, the only one it's effectively the same, right? Sure. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Well, Spike- zombies in Left 4 Dead weren't zombies. They were all infected with a rabies virus. I mean, but they were effectively zombies. Yep. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> All right, good talk. S- zombies. Uh, <laughs> another cool announcement, uh, Spider-Man, uh, developed by Insomniac Studios. It's going to be an exclusive uh, PlayStation 4 game uh, developed, uh, I guess, due to Sony's... Oh, yeah, signing Sony Pictures, uh, bringing Spider-Man back to the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. You think it'll be like a version of that Spider-Man, or will no. it be ripped from the comics? I, th- I, I might. I think it's going to be. I mean, it's probably going to borrow from the comics. I think they're going with their own path. I don't think it's going to be movie tie-in at all, which bodes well for the game. Yeah, that's that's usually a, a mistake. A movie video <laughs> game is is rarely yeah, and and, and you can see that from the the suit design itself, uh, different than anything we've ever seen before, which I think is pretty cool. It has the the white spider logo that you'd attribute to the Venom, more or less. That's interesting. Um, so you too can relive your awkward high school fantasies. Yeah. See, but I was never a Spider-Man guy, so I guess I can't. I was never an awkward teenager in Queens, New York. You were still an awkward teenager, just not in Queens. Exactly. Right. That's why I can't relate. Somehow you'll always be an awkward teenager, I feel like. <laughs> It'll never go away. <laughs> it's I've, too late. As my voice cracks. Yeah. 
<laughs> Next up, uh, Last Guardian was given a release date, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's How long have they been talking about that? 43 years. <laughs> that sounds accurate. Uh, it was written in the tablets in the Ancients Temple. Exactly. No, it's 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 been years. Uh, but the release date is October 25th, 2016, so keep an eye out for that if you've been wanting to play with a giant bird dog. I, I haven't really had much uh, much interest, but, you know, I'm not a, a Sony fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> and the last big announcement was the return of Hideo Kojima and his uh, new studio partnership with Sony, uh, their game Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. Sony. We're talking about zombies. They've got uh, Norman Reedus as the, uh, the main exactly. character, not Walking that, Dead. Not that the game's mm-hmm. going to be zombie-related, but yeah. Our, our resident, uh, non-operator's resident Konami expert, maybe Kilroy, can go into some detail about what he saw in that trailer. I hope so, because I had no idea <laughs> I was completely lost. what there, the heck ghost, that trailer was. Ghost oil babies. Was <laughs> ghost oil babies. Ghost oil babies, whales, naked Norman Reedus. Um, I'm okay well, with that this word. is actually a really <laughs> oh. great con- uh, continuation, just because previously... Uh, Kojima was slated to work with Norman Reedus on a Silent Hill project. PT. Uh, Silent Hill. Yes, Silent Hill PT, the playable trailer. Uh, and so I, a lot of people are saying that this might be a continuation of that project where they just adapt what they can, what they can and like what they stole out from underneath uh, Konami's uh, books. And a lot of people are like taking into very in-depth analysis of the things that they found in the trailer on Kojima's website. Since uh, they took it apart and they found, you know, the dog tags or weird flash drive looking things that uh, he's wearing in the trailer also have math equations written on them. Yeah. Some for like calculating the Sea of Dirac along with like, you know, black hole entry and exit uh, velocities and stuff like that. I forget what the other one really was. But my brain's it's... bleeding already. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> There's also those uh, five guys at the end of the trailer that are floating up in the sky yeah. that you can't really make out very well. And people are theorizing that this is. Uh, Show us what big. you've got. <laughs> uh, okay. Morning, great. Um, <laughs> Rick and Morty reference. Come on. Uh, yeah. So it's some well, people are theorizing that, like, oh, look, it's a reference to how Kojima was forced to work on Metal Gear for years, even though he didn't want to continue it. Uh, five Metal Gear games, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, the thing was, he really like wanted it to be over since Metal Gear Solid 3. He wanted to make a trilogy and be done with it, and they just kept making him make more. Yeah, they're, uh, they're not known for being too kind to their employees in general. They don't have the best reputation. Yeah. They're known for their uh, pachinko machines, <laughs> yes. which, which is where we'll see the continuation of Metal Gear. <laughs> and Silent Hill. And Silent Hill. Oh, God. Actually, the one that I'll really miss the most is Silent Hill the Arcade. I got to play that while I was in Asia, and even though it was just a giant pastiche of all like the famous Silent Hill places and like some of the monsters, like Pyramid Head, which is probably the most iconic of that, you just played a light gun like shooting rail game, and it was just tons of fun. And it never came to the U.S. Hmm. Was it any different than like all the other arcade shooters that show up in arcades? Um. I mean, there wasn't a gimmick behind it, like Time Crisis and whatnot, where you had to, like, press the pedal to hide or anything like that. It, it was a pretty standard light gun game, but it was just tons of fun to play through Silent Hill and just actually have a chance to shoot something, unlike in regular Silent Hill, where you're shitting your pants half the time trying to see through the fog and getting attacked <laughs> by dogs that aren't dogs. All right. And have, like, no ammo, which is Silent Hill. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see more of Death Stranding as uh, time goes on. You just on. want to see more naked Norman Reedus. That's, that's exactly what I was referring to, yeah. <laughs> hopefully we'll see more of Norman Reedus and uh, maybe some Death Stranding on the side. And maybe some demon shadow baby. Oil. Oil, oil shadow baby. baby ghost. Hallucinations. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, don't, also be I still don't know what I saw in that trailer. Anyway, yeah, no one, no one does. <laughs> I don't even know if uh, Kojima does. Anyways, uh, lastly, let's get into Nintendo, who doesn't really hold press conferences anymore. They hold their own kind of more controlled Nintendo treehouse. Uh, it's funny. I just, Which is somehow appropriate. If right. you think about it. Yeah, I was telling this to Ryan earlier where it kind of feels like... where you like... take kids to touch them? Wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same. <sighs> I was telling you, I was talking about earlier, it, it's so... Nintendo is so PR controlled now. Like when you get these press conferences or like the this treehouse for Nintendo, it feels like all the people speaking on behalf of Nintendo are like... There's like gun held to their head. Like they can't say anything outside their like pre-planned notes, right? If they deviate from the plan... Boom, dead. Boom. Yeah, well, Nintendo's felt really culty for years, you know? Um, and it seems like they're blind to the market. I honestly don't know how they're surviving as a company. Amiibos. Like, I guess. Amiibos <laughs> are keeping week. them afloat. Because they're, they're not selling consoles. They haven't been selling consoles in years since the, the you know, the boom, the early years of the Wii. Yeah. And that was that came out in 2006, I believe. Oh, uh, 2000, no, November 2005, maybe? Yeah, something like that. In any case, they sold well for maybe two years, and then they had no game sales on the Wii. They came out with the Wii U, which sold, like, no units. Now there's this talk about the NX, and no one really cares anymore. They're just so far out of the game. I think they're excited to see what the NX is, right? I don't know, excited. I think people are curious. Apprehensive. Ex- yeah, excited implies that they care. And I don't think anyone can truly care what Nintendo does anymore. Because it's... I, I really wish they just became a software platform because their consoles are underpowered. Their gimmicks are nonsensical. They already lost all third-party support. So they're the only ones making games for themselves. Um, just, just give up, guys. Like, it's time to move on and broaden the scope a little bit you know i guess they just don't want money is the answer they they just don't want money that's why they alienate their youtube community um they treat their fans poorly they try and shut down tournaments if i i can only assume they hate money that's the only response i can i can get from this we'll see what happens uh a couple key announcements uh they they showed pokemon sun and moon for those pokemon fans that are still out there uh (laughs) Cool. Many, many years later. Yeah. yeah. We got a little Pokemon kids in us, you know, at heart. That's true. Uh, There's only 151 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Everything else is heretical. Nonsense. But the, the key that I, I thought was pretty cool was uh, their new Zelda game. Yeah, I think that was the only thing that Nintendo had to say that generated any buzz, really. More or less, yeah. Um, I heard it looked cool. It, it looked really cool. Uh, from what I've seen gameplay and demonstrations and it looks like a pretty fun game open world zelda uh more rpg elements i think they're they're really trying to modernize it okay know, bring well zelda to the modern day. you know i have a wii u it's my super smash machine but uh I, i'd be willing to consider getting another game for it if it's worth it yeah cool. I, I think i think it might be from what i've seen the art style is pretty cool it's kind of like anime uh somewhere between like cell shaded and more realistic so it's kind of cool interesting um, yeah so i it'd be cool to see kind of more of it as it comes out but the problem is like a huge open world and you can climb anywhere you see uh go anywhere you want to go and kind of choose your own adventure stab anyone you want to stab, <laughs> stab anyone bury the stab. bodies in the woods because there's plenty of those 
All right. Uh, I kind of want to move us off of games a little bit because we've devoted a lot of time to it's it E3. already. It's big news. I know. That's what I was going to say is that, you know, the week of E3, we have to give a little bit more focus to gaming. And even in my tech section, I'm still going to be talking some games. But to change topics briefly. I can go now. You cannot go. We oh. still have more gaming to talk about. Okay. I'll wait. But, uh, but before that happens, um, you know, there was some talk about BlackBerry sales, uh, I think, this week and how they're not doing so well. I'm surprised it still exists, honestly. <laughs> Most people brand. are. They're like, they still make those? But um, it, it got me thinking, like, you know, physical keyboards on phones. Uh, it used to be all phones had them. And then when smartphones started coming out, uh, you would get sort of a split. You know, the Droid series started out with slide-out keyboards, which were great. Um, there was the iPhone model that was like, screw you, you don't need to type fast. We can predict your words for you. Stop thinking. Um, you know, Apple's motto. <laughs> and uh, and uh, eventually everyone sort of switched to software keyboard. And I understand because the goal for every phone manufacturer was try and make it thinner, try and make it smaller. And a keyboard takes up space and makes the phone thicker. Uh, and I guess people valued slimness over function. Um, and so the BlackBerry, I believe, is the only modern phone running Android to have a hardware keyboard. And I was a diehard... It's so disappointing. It's extremely... Dis I was a diehard physical keyboard fan. You know, I could type without looking at my phone. I could type way faster than I can, even with swiping. You know, I I've adjusted. I have a Nexus because I wanted a pure Android experience and, and decent specs. That's why I was eventually convinced to move off of my Droid 4, my last keyboard-based phone. Um, but I really miss it. Swiping is just not good enough. And uh, I feel really bad for those iOS users because I, I guess they have access to swiping keyboards now. But for the longest time, the only way you could type on there was tapping on the keyboard and using word prediction um, to to type out messages. And that just feels like it would take forever. It was hard for me to transition to using my my Nexus uh, at first because I had an iPhone for for a, basically most of my cell phone career. And uh, I was one of those slow individual tappers uh but i definitely think swiped text is a lot faster oh it's way faster efficient. and it's gotten a lot better since its introduction you know i had an htc incredible way back in the day and that <laughs> was just miserable i hated it um i i hate the fact that the default library starts you off at about a fifth grade level of vocabulary <laughs> so when you're trying to start it's like type in longer words like didn't you mean like boobs or something just come on yeah it, it treats people like they're idiots because to be fair pe people are idiots um and they're you know appealing to the masses with that most people will be using only a fifth grade vocabulary um if you're i mean you're texting right you're not looking to you know write your thesis i know but sometimes larger more specific words can get a point across better in a, a more concise way interesting i don't i mean that's why those or words exist if i have to describe everything with five words when i can use one word i'm doing it wrong what's an example of something like that i don't know schadenfreude okay yeah that's it i don't <laughs> but know you have to explain more to, to explain what that word means to me than you would have if you just used the five easy words I mean, maybe we should I buy guess, a dictionary. Or if you knew what it meant already, then I wouldn't have to explain it at all. But when it comes to physical keyboards, I just I wish there was a transition back to it. And I wanted to buy a BlackBerry for that reason. I saw it coming with a hardware keyboard. I went, I don't care about the company, but I want that keyboard. And unfortunately, the phone released with pretty middling specs, 
and the reviews for it were awful, which was really a disappointment to me because they said if that phone didn't do well, they were going to get out of the hardware game. And I'm like, no, please be a success story. Have a good physical keyboard. Convince other manufacturers that it's worth including as an option, even as an alternative model. But um, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm going to have to deal with swiping. Uh, they kind of shot themselves in the foot by opting to go for those specs, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that they had the ability, really, as a company to, to ramp up to top-of-the-line specs and come out with a decent platform that, I, I guess, as BlackBerry, you have to maintain your branding somehow, right? They have their BlackBerry Messenger that was their, like... Uh, what are their Halo app or whatever, you know, the thing that, that they could say, hey, we made that and it's great and people like it. But other than that, they were trying to find a way to differentiate themselves on the Android market. And unfortunately, in Android, differentiation usually means crappy skins and poor software editions. Um, and it felt like BlackBerry went that route a little bit and they really shot themselves in the foot with sub subpar hardware and quality. Um, and it's, it's really disappointing. It'll be a little sad to see if they exit the market, you know, cause they were such a, a keystone of the cell phone market for so long, you know? Yeah. They can't exit the market. Hillary Clinton still wants to use it. <laughs> and she's willing to get an email server on her own to do it. But it, it, the word Blackberry used to be synonymous with smartphone. Oh, do you have a cell phone or a Blackberry? It's crazy. A razor or a well, Blackberry? Razor or a Blackberry. That was the question, right? right? Well, Blackberry used to be synonymous with corporate business. It used to just be like the phone. Like if you went to work in a suit, you had a Blackberry. Of course. Because no shit, you needed it. And it had the little rollerball and you sent emails from it. And that's why you had the damn thing. Yeah, they really... I, I don't know how the company progressed because, you know, iPhone hit the market. Eventually, Android hit the market. It started improving and Blackberry went... No, it's fine. We'll keep releasing phones with the exact same hardware. We're not going to upgrade our operating system. We're going to use the same crappy tiny screens. And we don't think our enterprise customers will ditch us because they like us already. They're hooked. They won't move off. And what happened was all the executives and, and people decided, hey, we'd like a modern smartphone instead of this stinking BlackBerry. And their their enterprise contracts dried up. And... I don't know, they had their head in the sand or whatever, but this was not like over the course of a year. This was years, years and years and years. And at no point did they decide, hmm, maybe we should modernize our smartphone platform. I I, I don't know what their executives were doing. What's the most popular enterprise Barely. phone right now? I think it's iPhone. I think most companies use an iPhone of some variety. Sounds about right. Uh, although, you know, the DOJ just uh, moved from using a BlackBerry. So Obama's phone is finally no longer a BlackBerry. They're moving him to the Obama Droid, which what? is a Samsung Galaxy 4, which has been, quote-unquote, hardened for security. Interesting. Yeah, so the no, White House is officially an Android administration. That's nice. Sweet. Yeah, well, except it's, you know, three gens old by now. Not and it's also Samsung full of their own bloatware shit. I imagine that the uh, official White House version removes a lot of that. But that... You'd be surprised what they do with government computers. <laughs> That's true. I don't exactly have Yankee White, but seeing what they do around here and seeing uh, government computing, I, I don't I don't believe in it. Yeah, that's that's fair. From what I saw as a contractor, I'm, I'm inclined to agree that a, a government email address, I felt like I was logging into 1997. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, AKO still looks like that. I believe you. I don't think AKO will ever get updated. It's permanently (laughs) 1997. (laughs) Anyways, moving on from keyboards, because I want to, I want to blow through the next topic since, you know, I'm excited to start talking about gaming again. And uh, that's the Xbox One Project Scorpio. Better not be sarcasm. No, it's not sarcasm. I I like it. I think it's really interesting. So. He's at a half chub right now. (laughs) Confirmed. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, it's confirmed to be coming out in the holiday season of 2017. They're saying it's going to be way more powerful than any existing platform. Uh, I forget exactly what the current platform gets. I think it's like 1.3 teraflops of computing power. Um, and flops is floating point uh, calculations per second. Talked about it last week too. Yeah, I, I think yeah. So it's, what happens when you Beowulf them together and make an Android server? Don't worry or, uh, about Linux it. Server? Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, in any case, use unit of measurement for uh, processing power. So in any case, the current more flops the better. More flops the better. The current model has like one point two or one point three yeah. teraflops. They're talking about the new one having six teraflops of computing power. And a 320 gigabyte per second memory bandwidth. So to put that in perspective, Please. NVIDIA came out with their top of the line GTX 1080 graphics card last month. Um, it's by far the best card on the market. How much is it selling for? I believe it's uh, $600 or so. More than the Xbox One. Launch. More than the Xbox One by double. Uh, currently. The currently. Yeah, current version is, is $300. So um, the GTX 1080 has... 8.2 teraflops of computing capability. Floppier. Yes. And 320 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. You'll notice it's the exact same number as the upcoming Xbox One. Borpio. Um, so, Xborpio. Uh, and so... <laughs> get it right, please. Or don't get okay, it right Okay. Well, so the 1080 is an extremely powerful graphics card, but even on modern games now, it's not capable of consistently putting out 4K gaming at 60 frames per second. So the reason that's significant is because Microsoft was saying that's what the Xbox One X Borpio will be capable of, uh, which I find hard to believe. So you're saying a graphics card, which is top of the line now, can't produce that on a PC paired to a very powerful processor. And this Xbox One, you know, upgrade, which is coming next year, will have uh, three quarters of the processing capability and the same memory bandwidth and somehow you're going to be getting better performance out of it. And so, you know, the answer I got back uh, when talking to another friend of ours was, well, you know, on consoles, usually developers can squeeze more performance out of them because you've got lower level hardware accessibility and stuff, which is true, but this is way, way less powerful than the GTX 1080. And even with that bump in low level hardware accessibility, I don't think it's going to be capable of producing... 4k at 60 frames per second reliably like i i don't know how microsoft plans on doing this and on top of that microsoft has has pretty much always used amd um as their source for chipset which includes processor and the graphics card um and it's almost certain that they'll be doing that again not using nvidia and amd's always been behind nvidia when it comes to graphics cards uh they just can't compete um and currently, AMD's best graphics card, or at least their newest top-end graphics card, would be the Radeon 480X, which they just talked about. And that gets 5 teraflops and 256 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. So I don't know if they're working on something in secret and 
that's a little surprising to me, or, or they're projecting that they'll be able to get that with upcoming hardware, but I heard that dev kits have already gone out to game developers, oh, wow. so I don't know how that's true. Um, Target specs or something. And AMD, I imagine, would, if they had a better graphics card, they would release the graphics card because, man, they need the money. Um, so even their top-of-the-line existing card on the market, which is much higher voltage, is the R9 Fury, and that gets 7.2 teraflops, and it actually gets a whopping 512 gigabytes per second of, of uh, memory bandwidth. But the difference is that it uses 275 watts, whereas like the 1080 and the 480X are around 150 watts. Sorry, the, the 1070 is around 150. I think the 1080 is not much higher. But, you know, they're, they're going to be concerned with, with uh, power output on the Exborpio as well. And even then, the R9 Fury does not game at 4K 60fps reliably. So I don't know where they're getting these numbers from. I don't know how they plan on hitting those numbers. Um, I know they're talking about VR on the platform. Uh, it, it just seems literally unbelievable to me. I, I hope, I hope they can hit those numbers through magic. But usually you can look at what exists on the market and, and have sort of a projection for what's to come. And even then, consoles usually release with middling PC specs at the time of release. And we're a year out. I cannot believe that PC specs will be you know, so much higher that this will be mid-range specs. So even if they get this out, we're looking at probably a $600 console. Um, it's a good guess. Well, inside of a console form factor, I'm actually curious how they're working with the heat dissipation if they're trying to run something that hot that fast. Right. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think that they'll water be cooling. able to run... It's not going to be water <laughs> yeah. cool. I don't think they'll be able to run anything like the R9 Fury, first of all, because of that power mm. consumption. They want to keep consumption way down. Um yeah. And of and course, just the physical heat of it. You remember our friend who put two candles next to her Xbox and like thought that was a great idea. Yeah, I'm just curious how far that's going to go before somebody, maybe like one of our other friends, that decided to change out the uh, power supply on his <laughs> old Xbox and maybe light his house on fire next time. Yeah, <laughs> should we do that now? Should we make guesses at what we think it's going to cost when it comes out? Sure. Uh, my my prediction is. I'm gonna say 550 and split the difference because that was between 500 and 600. All right, I'm gonna go with 500. I don't, I don't see them going higher. I mean, the hardware inside sounds incredible, right? Yeah, uh, literally unbelievable. But I don't, I don't see them being able to market a 600 console, especially when the Xbox 599 US dollars. <laughs> That's yeah, your guess, you killer. That happened. One dollar. One dollar. Price is right. Do you remember? Do you remember when the 599 US dollar fiasco happened with the PlayStation 3? Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but but so what's what's your guess, Kilroy? What do you think it'll be at? I'll just have to go to the other end of the spectrum and say $600 and they're going to charge for the elitism of it. <laughs> okay. Win, winner gets free in and out. <laughs> yes. Pay I hope the, I win. Pay by the tears of the others. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the specs sound great. It sounds awesome. I plan on getting one when it comes out. I just don't know how the heck they're going to make that happen. Um, but I'm stoked. I'm stoked for 4K Xbox. I'm stoked for VR. We talked a little bit before about how, um, there's going to be support for HDR, um, even on the Xbox One S. So, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on it, but it's, it's high dynamic, uh, resolution. Resolution. Thank you. I'm not an expert on it either. Okay. Well, um, what it does is basically it, it improves color accuracy. Uh, the processes involved, again, I, I don't remember. I've looked it up before. I don't remember off the top of my head, but we should get better color representation in games. I've, I've heard people say online that HDR might be actually more important than resolution. Is that something that you'd 
computer. I have no idea. I'm it depends, sure. you know, because there's there's always been talk of how much resolution is useless. You know, talking about diminishing returns on resolution improvements. Right. Um, people have been saying it for years on phones. Uh, even going up to 1080p on phones, people were saying, oh, why do you need that? You know, your eyes can't tell the difference when they obviously can. Um, and 4K is another case where you can definitely tell uh, the difference in resolution. But I can see why HDR might be immediately more noticeable than a, a bump in 4K. But it really depends on your panel. It depends how far you're sitting away from it. Right. And it depends... You know, if you're going from, say, 1080 or 1440p up to a 4K resolution, are you dropping this, you know, the graphical settings on a game? Because if you're going from playing on ultra high settings at a lower resolution to medium settings on a higher resolution, eh, I don't know that it's worth a trade off. Yeah. Well, but, uh, exciting nonetheless. I, I'm stoked. That's why I, I was so excited. I wanted to talk about it in my tech section. So it's like a game's arm race. Kind of, kind of see what, it totally is. We finally see how Sony counters now with with their Neo, right? Well, so the rumors were were pegging the Neo at somewhere like I think three teraflops or so, and uh, if, if that's the case, man, they're in for a world of hurt. Maybe that's why they didn't want to talk hardware yeah, at E three. Smart, but right? Kind of let Microsoft make their move and adjust theirs as necessary. If they can, it's possible they've just been one upped. You know, I, I don't know how much they can scramble because again, uh, console chipsets are totally custom. So they're usually based off of existing chipset components, but they're tweaked in, in pretty unique ways. Uh, and so if that's already in production, I don't think Sony will be in a position to pivot to a different newer chipset. Um, there might be improvements they'll be able to make. Um, most console... Well, here's here's the thing. There's different types of, of uh, memory that you can use on graphics cards. Um Usually consoles are used cheaper versions, and I guess Sony could say, hey, we'll take the hit in cost, give right, us some exactly. sweet, sweet improved memory, and maybe we can make up some of our performance loss that way. Uh, but at this at this late in the game, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can make that up. Um, anyways, I've, I've rambled for long enough. Um, Kilroy. That's I'll, the point of a podcast, though. What's that? That's the point of a podcast. To though. ramble? I guess. I mean, Apple, as long apparently. as people are interested. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, how much Fair people want to hear about, you know, upcoming Xbox Exborpio specs, but... Uh, I'm going to listen to this podcast. Well, the more you finish. call it that, the more people don't want to listen. <laughs> Exborpio? It doesn't sound appealing to you? Better you don't think X that'll be the actual name? Better than Xbone. Xbone. Uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as Xbone, but it doesn't have the same connotation. It's true. <laughs> In any case, I'll let Kilroy move on to his section uh, where we start talking about firearms, so... Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, so up on the topic today, uh, I was looking at our main informational one was going to be the tactical triad, which is just, uh, it's a common name I found that people might refer to just buying a pistol, a, ha uh, a rifle, and a shotgun as your main three, like, essential core weapons, and then those can be pared down to, like, one of the three if you're in a particular tight situation or just don't know which one to start with. So what you're saying is that you use the tactical triad covers, you know, all the situations that you might need by, by choosing three primary classifications of a weapon. Right. And so this is also the three guns that you will have in a three gun competition, obviously by the title of the competition. Well, it could be and three pistols. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just fucking all cowboy action. I don't know what's in that. <laughs> Woo! 
<laughs> yeah, and so a lot of the general recommendations, obviously, is to buy a pistol in the big three calibers, which are available for explanation on our actual articles written on the site. That's true, but we can outline them here. They're 9mm. www.nawoperator.com. Thank you. They're the, the three calibers, the big three, are 9mm uh, Luger, uh, 40 Smith & Wesson, NATO. and 45 ACP. Yep. And uh, a shotgun. I generally recommend for most people to buy a pump-action shotgun and the very most general ubiquitous uh, advice. Most ubiquitous of those is going to be either the Remington 870 or the Mossberg 500. And those are the two that are mostly in service right now across military and police spectrums. So we find a lot of parts. And they're also really popular with hunters. Okay. Solid choice. Although I do yeah. love the idea of a Benelli M4. Uh, that is usually out of most people's price range. Wang. <laughs> yeah uh i mean you can go lower i mean you can find shotguns for 150 bucks out the door in some places and there'll be pump action shotguns that are really solid and get you a three inch magnum uh, chamber and you'll be able to shoot pretty much anything out of it or you could offer something high-end and fancy that'll cost you over a thousand dollars yeah into like the 1500 dollars range is where the m4 was last okay well so your last category is rifle right right and in the current time, I would recommend a carbine and an intermediate caliber. Uh, a lot of, like, the gun community is taken to calling it the modern sporting rifle. You mean an assault weapon? Uh, you can go ahead and define that. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I it's Because you It's can't a political term. There's no actual, you know, concrete definition, and all the definitions are based on aesthetics, as we discussed last time. So I won't get back into that again. But uh, right. uh, that's the initial recommendation. But if you actually have a little bit more land, a little bit more space, uh, you might actually just want to jump it up to a battle rifle caliber and say to hell with it. Get like something in three oh eight and eighteen inch yeah. barrel or something, or even a twenty. Yeah. What, what defines a battle yeah. rifle? The cartridge mostly. Like the core essential of it is the cartridge and the actual size of the rifle. So like the original AR fifteen design has a twenty inch barrel. That's a fairly large uh, rifle. If you're trying to take it through a house, you're not going to have a lot of fun with that. And I'm sure many a Marine can attest to that. But the original AR-15 wasn't designed as a battle rifle, was it? Well, I mean, previous to that project, it was the AR-10 because they're looking for something in 308. Right. And so the 308 caliber is considered a battle rifle. And then they just kind of said, nah, screw that. Let's shrink down the cartridge and stick some more cartridges in there. Right. And, and so came up. actually the idea of an assault rifle, not to be confused with an assault weapon, um, <laughs> didn't even exist until... World War Two. So up until that point, most people, most infantry was using a battle rifle, which was designed for longer engagements. You know, you weren't expecting fully automatic fire. Um, and you were basically stuck between, well, even then, that's sort of when submachine guns came around. But it was basically either you were using a submachine gun for close range or a battle rifle for anything else. Um, and then the, what was it, the STG-44 was the first modern yeah. assault rifle that's what sort of defined the platform more or less intermediate cartridge select fire you're able to switch between semi-automatic or fully automatic or burst fire modes depending on the gun um and right. so assault rifle fits in between submachine gun which fires a pistol cartridge at a high rate of fire and a battle rifle which is designed for longer distance engagements higher power uh you know cartridge that you're firing out of there um and usually semi-automatic Usually. Um, and so with that, like, I mean, there was the M14 back in the day, just like... They still have it in service. 
It's still in service, but it's not in the same configuration it used to be. It's now serving more as a DMR, uh, designated marksman rifle, where you want to be part of an infantry unit that uh, goes around and hits out a little further. Or it, uh, they usually generally rely on bolt actions, but you can equip an M14 for uh, slightly longer sniping purposes and whatnot, because 308 will reliably get itself out to 1,000 yards. Right. Or more. Uh, but a lot of people don't think in terms of that very long-range uniform battlefield sort of thing anymore because we've done a lot of very up-close fighting, and so that's why the Carbine has become such a big brand name, I suppose, is what you would call it. Well, it's interesting because it feels like, you know, submachine guns, which were really designed for up-close engagements, have pretty much been phased out. I, I don't think anyone really uses... Submachine yeah. guns in any serious capacity. It's it's basically uh, you're using a short barrel police, assault police rifle units, platform. Police units and uh, personal protection details still rely heavily on the submachine gun because it's personally easier to uh, hide a machine pistol than it is to hide any uh, large larger calibers. But that also created an even smaller subcategory in between submachine guns and assault rifles that a lot of people will call the PDW, the personal defense weapon. Right. And so there's a couple of companies out there like Knight's Armament that have their own like weirdo special calibers for PDW weapons that are essentially just shrunken down AR platforms just by a little bit. Or you'll also have, um, I'm sure everybody will love this one, the 5.7, which was designed as a PDW caliber to be compatible between both a handgun and a submachine gun. Right, but the P90 is really considered more of a submachine gun than a PDW, right? Which is, you know, it fires 5.7 ammo. Right, but the 5.7 ammunition was created specifically to fill that gap in between a handgun and a rifle cartridge. Gotcha. So I, I guess the question is, why aren't we seeing you know active infantry units, especially ones in urban environments, being given you know more PDW type weapons? I know, I know they get carbines, you know, but you're still dealing with a 14 and a half inch barrel. Um, it's not a bullpup configuration, so it's still a pretty you know long long rifle comparatively speaking. Wouldn't they be better served with a PDW or, or submachine gun? Uh, not really. Not for universal uh, just commonalities between, A, the ammunition you're going to run into other units. Because doctrine-based stuff, which I won't get into, um, you're more likely to have a lot more support behind everything you do. So if you run into another non-specialized unit and they say, all we have is 5.56 and you happen to have be running whatever fancy like high-speed PDW state caliber you happen to be shooting inside that city... Well, congratulations, you can't get any more ammo. You're going to have to go request it. Gotcha. So it's more of a logistical issue than an actual yeah. de- determining not, that it's better not for to an mention, individual I'm, use case. I'm sure you're familiar with the DOD procedures on approving any goddamn thing. Oh, yes. So <laughs> getting that past anything except for a special forces request is not happening. Gotcha. So it looks like we'll be on 5.56 for the uh, indefinite future as a primary yeah. caliber for the... The armed services. Honestly, I don't see it a, a big problem with that. The armed services has been messing around with 5.56 loads, and if you look at some of the FBI law enforcement, honestly, the military isn't where you should be looking for leaps and bounds and advancements for the 5.56 cartridge. Oh, I don't. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that they're getting the most use out of it, they're getting some new loads, like the Marines were uh, testing a load that ended up killing Osama bin Laden. Um and so that was a special loading of 5.56. Well, if it uh, didn't kill him, I would have been concerned. <laughs> They're doing well, things the really wrong at that point. The uh, 77 grain Sierra Match Kings uh, boat tail hollow point ones, or whatever they were called, were the ones are uh, part of the Mark 12 uh, SPR project. And so the military has its own 
uh, loadings of 5.56, but really the most advanced ones were coming out of law enforcement, like the FBI and the uh, other like state law enforcements are buying into civilian loaded calibers with ballistic tips and you know plastic tips and stuff like that. Well, so it, that seems, it, actually... it seems like a lot of innovation in firearms often comes from the civilian market, and especially the, the um, competition community. You know, oh, bo- yeah, that's both how in terms of been. tactics and, and also gear. It yeah. seems like that's where that's the, it... uh, the tip of the spear really is, at least in terms of development. R&D generally will come straight in from the competition scene because the competition people will do crazy, crazy things with it. And and so some of the military guys will see that and say, like, I want that gear, but that gear will not survive me falling on my face onto it. So let's see how we can make it better. Gotcha. So it's basically you get the newest, best stuff in competition and then you see it get hardened and made more rugged for actual military use. Right. Or, you know, refined to the point where it's like, or even unspecialized and generalized in such a way because competition will be very specific. Right. So, like, even with, like, a three-gun match, three-gun matches are actually where those canted sights that everybody sees in Call of Duty actually came out of. Because you have to switch between very short engagements and very far engagements, like, at the drop of a hat. And so, sometimes literally. And so, a lot of those uh, end up with you wanting to run a scope and something shorter range at the same time. Does military use that setup at all, or is that just fiction? Uh, from the people I talk to, uh, and so like the only thing I have right now is a ranger I can talk to and a Navy SEAL. So seeing what they have to say about it is, I know that the SEAL ran an EOTech with a flip zoom and on the rail. Okay, that's pretty and Call of the- Duty. Well, yeah, and so he he, he was particularly impressed with it. Like, he said it was really handy. Uh, He said he ran it on a Scar Heavy out in Afghanistan. But he actually favors the M4 since they do most of their training on that. Gotcha. But he he He, never used the the canted sights like that before? Not not that I've heard of, and mostly because he's, he's an officer, so he actually stays behind the lines a lot to coordinate troop movements. Gotcha. Like, he's trained to do it, and he trains with the troops. It's just that his major job is to be able to coordinate larger uh, troop movements, so it's not his wheelhouse to go in all the time. Gotcha. Like, he only has uh, six mags on him at any given time, and that's actually a pretty light combat load. You're giving away military secrets right now. Shh, <laughs> don't tell anyone. Yeah. Don't worry, no one's listening this far <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. Except for the government. Um, the government, the NSA hears all. <laughs> NSA hears everything. Yeah, and so... For typical civilian ownership, I would definitely recommend getting a carbine over a battle rifle. But if you have the space and the use case for a battle rifle and don't need a carbine to, you know, do home defense or anything else, go for it. Grab grab a foul. Have fun. Okay. So, but but you would recommend everyone choose choose a gun in each of those three categories, become proficient, and you can pe- feel pretty confident that you've got a gun that's designed to work for, for pretty much any scenario. Right. And a lot of that actually is comes down to training. Like, owning a, like multiples of any of these guns in those three categories doesn't make you a good shooter. And honestly, I would be more afraid of the guy with a high point in a Mosin who practices with a million rounds of ammo every year than I would with somebody who owns a million guns. Yeah, that's fair. Practice, I mean, practice matters more than the equipment. They'll say that about not just shooting, but, you know, any sport. If you have crappy golf clubs, but you practice all week and there's the guy who plays a couple hours you know once a week 
even though he might have the best set, he's uh, it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. Unless I just the first guy is just a terrible golfer, it's, it's not going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, normally, we don't like to touch on super political stuff such as this uh, in our main set of analysis articles, but Michael Moore apparently he said something really retarded today. And yeah, I use that. Got the, the tweet up here. Uh, I can give it a read. Um, he said, "Ammo used in AR-15 slash M16." is banned by Geneva Convention. It enters the body, spins, and explodes. Show the crime scene photos, and the NRA is over. So, in order to dissect that statement, first of all, I don't even care about the last sentence, because that, whatever. Just, I wish it exploded. That'd be pretty fucking be handy sweet, for my job. right? <laughs> the army wishes it exploded, but, but let's let's take it one step at a time. So ammo used in the AR-15 slash M16, just that. First of all, the AR-15 and M16 are not the same, right? The M16 is based off of the AR-15 platform, so equating the two is not and the just same to thing. To take a sidestep, the AR stands for Armalite Rifle, the company that makes it or made it originally. Right. And the M16 is the military configuration that mm-hmm. you know they've created. So the M16 is chambered in 5.56, right? That's part of the specification. The AR-15, right. not necessarily. You can have an AR-15 chambered in all sorts of stuff. You can have it in 5.56. You can have it in 300 blackout. You can have it chambered in... Uh, 9mm, 5.7, whatever, what yeah, have you. There's a billion, 22 long rifle. It can be chambered in whatever. So generalizing you could have it chambered as a crossbow. Is, yeah, you could. You could get a crossbow upper for it. Uh, I kind of want it. I, I think it'd be fun. Or awesome. Just awesome. Uh, so, so just that. Just his first... Four words alone, technically five if you count M16 as a separate word. I don't know what he's referring to. He doesn't know what he's referring to, more specifically. Um, so this, the second part of that statement, ammo using the Air 15 M16 is banned by Geneva Convention. So first of all, no, it's not. None of those types of ammunition are. Second of all, um, what he's probably referring to is hollow point ammunition, which doesn't have anything to do with this. And it's not, you know, necessarily that it's, I don't think it's that common on AR-15s. Most people are not using hollow point ammunition on their AR-15 right. platform. But even then, hollow points, it's a common misconception. They're not banned by the Geneva Convention. Um, there, The Hague Convention of 1899 prohibited the use of international... It prohibited the use in international warfare of bullets that easily expand or flatten in the body. Um, so this is often incorrectly believed to be prohibited in the Geneva Convention. So I'm, I'm quoting from Wikipedia right now. Um, but it's funny because despite the ban on military use, hollow point bullets are one of the most common types of bullets used by civilian and police, largely due to the reduced risk of bystanders being hit by overpenetrating or ricocheted bullets and the increased speed of incapacitation. So, you know, the generalization that, oh, the Hague Convention banned it, or as people like to say, the Geneva Convention banned it, um, it has to do with lethality. But, but really, in most shooting situations, it's safer for the people who you're not shooting at if you're using hollow points, and it's also more likely to stop a target who's attacking you currently. Unless you're the NYPD, where you'll be shooting civilians anyway. Yeah, you're going to, you know, hit everyone (laughs) around the person you're aiming at. Got to love those super heavy, you know, 
Glock triggers that they've modified. But on top of that, even even though it is prohibited by the Hague Convention of 1899, the United States did not agree to the Hague Convention of 1899. So our army is able to use hollow points without caring at all. And in fact, the U.S. Army mentioned that they're going to start using it for their sidearms, uh, for the plan set for 2018. So their pistols will start using hollow point ammunition. So that whole thing about hollow points being banned, Geneva Convention is like complete nonsense. I don't even know why he brought it up because he didn't even, Michael Moore wasn't even talking about hollow points in the first place. But sure, that's why it's, it's you know, sort of, we're trying to piece together what the hell he meant by this. Um, so why would he say this? Oh, why, why would Michael People Moore do that? make They're an uneducated comment about why? firearms? What? It's almost like he has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, that never happens with people who, who would like to restrict firearms. They, they are always well-informed about the technical issues involved. However, looking at his Twitter post, it does currently have 2,800 likes. So, Well, there are a lot of people just as smart as Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's also let it be noted that it, the, the full name of the caliber is 5.56 by 45 millimeter NATO. Right. You know, NATO. <laughs> As in, it's used by us and our allies. Again, it's not even hollow point. I don't know why he's talking about the Geneva Convention. It's not hollow point. Even if it was, Geneva Convention's not accurate. Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm just... Uh, let's, let's move on to the second sentence of that tweet. It enters the body, spins, and explodes. So I, I ranted for the first one, and I'm going to try and let Kilroy explain this one without jumping in. Can I explain it? You can if you want. I have no idea. Does, is there actually exploding <laughs> ammo? Is that real? I wish. There, That'd be sweet. There is. You bought some, remember? Yeah, That's but that was not 556. Five, that was 50 no, not cal. No, <laughs> Right. <laughs> I thought, okay, funny story. I thought I was buying a box of 240 rounds for $120, which would make it 50 cents a round, which is super cheap for 50 BMG. I don't have a gun in 50 BMG, but that's too good of a deal to pass up. <laughs> um, I ordered it. I received three rounds of 50 BMG ammo, just three, meaning each one was actually $40. Um, I read the description carefully. It said it came from boxes of 240, as if I care what boxes it comes out of. I don't, I don't care how many are in the box that you're pulling this ammo out of. I care tricks. how much you're sending me. Um, I returned those because I did not need $40 rounds, but... They were, uh, I don't know, explosive tipped, but they were designed to, uh, what was it? Um, they could ignite They were at the very fuel. least incendiary trip tipped. Right, exactly. Incendiary <laughs> tipped, they were able to, to ignite jet fuel. Um, in any case, that's super uh, expensive, they, non-standard, and as far as I know... Didn't you buy the 50 caliber M8 cartridge? Or the incendiary M1? I never did. What was it, light blue? I honestly don't remember. It's been a number of years matter. now doesn't matter uh in any case there's anyway. no 556 that's explosive tip to the best of my knowledge no so good to know that's nonsense so, so the, the fact that it's he says that it spins and then explodes okay let's let's parse that apart the two things spins every rifle bullet spins that's what rifling is for that would make that's what makes the bullet accurate <laughs> otherwise the bullet is like passing a musket through ball. the barrel musket balls did not have rifling and we've used rifling in every type of firearm except shotguns since then even pistols have rifling pistol rounds also spin all round spin sorry go ahead right 
And so all around spin, and as soon as they make contact, ballistically, uh, what 5.56 is actually designed to do is fragment, which is to break apart inside of the body, which causes various amounts of damage, which can get lead into a much longer discussion about temporary wound cavities and permanent wound cavities and so on and so forth and hydrostatic shock. But that's all it does. It either, if it's going fast enough, it'll break apart into tiny bits and go all throughout your body or wherever from wherever it hit or if it's not going fast enough it'll tumble it'll start falling cuz that's what happens when something fast hits something slow right and and we're basing this on the assumption that we're even talking about 556 because again AR15 platform could be really any type of ammunition but let's give him the benefit of the doubt assume he knows what he's referring to with that we're talking about 556 the platform was initially designed to fragment but that relies on a whole set of factors what your your load is um, what the length of the barrel you're firing it out of is, uh, mm-hmm. whether it is a hollow point, if it's lead core, if it's steel core, it's never going to fragment. It's going to go straight through. I don't think it's even going to tumble if you're using steel core 5.56. Five, um, yeah, that's actually one of the issues people were complaining about with the green tips. Right. So even if you're talking about just 5.56, five, it's not necessarily going to fragment, and it's not even necessarily designed to fragment. Um but none of it explodes. It it never explodes. Uh, man, Michael Moore has 2.3 million followers. This is... Uh, My theory is that one day he sat on a stick and then he sh- couldn't get his shit out. And so it all expels out his mouth. And that's why he's so... And also why he got fat. He <laughs> <laughs> just gets stuffed up. Oh, man. Full of his own shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they're just... I, I, I can't believe how many wrong things you can pack into two sentences. Um, it's almost impressive, really. Like, mm. if I wasn't, if I didn't know who Michael Moore was, I would almost feel like he was just trying to troll gun owners because it's just nonsense. Like, yeah. the whole sentence well, was just nonsense. We are kind of currently blessed to be living in a society in which we can lord over people from our RV towers without actually knowing anything and getting our opinions into a public audience who can agree with us without any actual factual basis. What's that? Celebrities make ignorant comments about stuff and people believe them? And say it ain't so. <laughs> not to mention, like, also the other, the good side of that is also the fact that we live in a society where not everybody needs to know what it's like to commit extreme amounts of violence on other people it's true they talk about gun violence here try living in venezuela or el salvador where it's literally a daily occurrence for the vast majority of people um yeah i've i've never had to even consider using a firearm in any situation in my entire life so far and uh, why do you have one because i can't why not i mean i like shooting <laughs> at paper it's great so i like you... shooting at steel targets also so it's a lot of fun. yeah I don't. I don't keep mine for protection. I appreciate the fact they can be used for that. Um, I like to study them. I don't keep mine ready. They're locked up or you know put away most of the time. Um, I just like going to the range. I think it's cool. Yeah. In any I mean, case, that, uh, I think that we can, can be something else we discuss later. Yeah, I, I think we can end on that. We've run pretty far over time. There's a lot of E3 stuff to cover. My bad. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's what it is. Next week we'll be like, uh, what do we talk about for gaming? <laughs> Scorpio again. <laughs> Ex Borpio. Come on. Come on. No. Get it together. That'll never catch on. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, that's it for uh, episode three of Not Operators Podcast, Not a Podcast. Uh, we'll see you next time. Adios. Good, night and good luck. <laughs>